to Edinburgh's Early Years podcast. I'm your host, Bex Ewart, and I am an Early Years Quality Improvement Education Officer with Edinburgh City Council. This podcast is designed to support professional dialogue across our Early Years workforce in Edinburgh and beyond. Each episode, we explore a different topic that should hopefully spark some conversation, get you thinking, and we'll point you in the direction of where you can go next if you want to explore the issues further. For each of the episodes, it's a really good idea to chat with your colleagues about this because the research shows that the more professional dialogue we have and the more chance we have to share our ideas and bounce them off one another, the better outcomes we actually have for our children in our settings. And ultimately, that's why we're all here, to make sure that our youngest learners get the best possible experience. If there's a topic that you'd like us to explore, please tweet me on at Bex Carter or at edin underscore ey and let me know what you think we should explore next. Welcome everybody to uh, this episode of Edinburgh's Early Years podcast and with me today to talk about digital pedagogy is Ollie Bray. Welcome Ollie. Hey Bex, how you doing? Thanks for having me. No worries, thank you for coming along. Um, so Ollie, you have got quite a unique perspective on education because you've kind of been here, there and everywhere. So could you introduce us as your what you're doing currently and then tell us a bit about how you got to where you are at the moment? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently working for Education Scotland. Um, I've been there for about the last uh, the last 10 weeks. I joined on the on the 1st of February and I'm working as a as a strategic director. Um, so I have overall responsibility for um, the work that we do around uh, curriculum um, and national improvement um, and assessment um, and national initiatives. So, for example, DYW STEM um, uh, early years and childcare expansion, that, that sort of thing. But also the digital remit as well, which includes currently corporate IT, but also um, also also GLOW. Um, and directly prior to that, um, I was. Uh, living in, and working in, in in Denmark for the for the Lego Foundation, um, which I guess is the sort of philanthropic arm of the of the, of the Lego Group, which people will have heard of. And um, I was leading their work there around uh, learning through play and technology, and the work they do around school improvement, um, which is really around active pedagogies or playful pedagogies, as we as we as we as we, as we called it there. And prior to that, I was in Scotland, and in fact, I was in Scotland for all of my previous career. Um, uh, for, for that, I started out. I started out. Um, working um, for Sports Scotland, um, National Outdoor Centre at, at Glenmore Lodge. That was my background. I went on to become a geography teacher, worked for 10 years in East Lothian. Um, I did a, a short secondment back then to, to Education Scotland around digital learning and teaching strategy. But, but then latterly, before joining the Lego Foundation, I was a head teacher in Highland at, at, a, at, a, second, at a secondary school. I don't, don't pretend to be an early year specialist, um, but I, I do have a, have a genuine um, interest and, and, and passion for, for all aspects of education. And, and, I, and, I, and I deeply see that, that, that zero to 18 plus journey is, is the bit that we still need to get right in Scottish education. Yeah, I think that's that's right, isn't it? Because sometimes it can be, it can appear at least that we've got our little silos. You know, we've got our early years from zero to five, and then it's school, <clears throat> primary school, and then it's secondary school, and we are working to to kind of cross those yeah. transitions. But it's still a challenge. It, it, it is, and I, I remember um, some of back in the early days of kind of CFE, sort of trying to be purposely challenging to practitioners around that. 
Um, and this is in the early days of experiences and outcomes. And we, and we won't get into the detail about whether they're still appropriate and whether they still work and, and, and those sorts of things. But I used to be quite challenging and provocative at the time when I was working with secondary practitioners to kind of say, well, you know, have you read the early years outcomes? And quite often the answer would be no. It's like, well, how on earth can you develop deep and meaningful and progressive learning activities you know when you don't understand where children have come from um and and that was that was interesting and quite often called us caused a stir but then of course i asked the same question when i was working with early years practitioners as well so if you read the level four outcomes well how on earth can you build those strong foundation and building blocks if you don't really know where children are going from as well so i think quite often it's about people not talking to people and understanding that yeah, I think and that, that kind of collaboration across the stages is something that I'm really interested in because I think we can learn a lot from one another because ultimately it's, you know, there are there are absolutely approaches and, and crossovers that can support practice in both directions. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah, brilliant. So we're currently in the middle of towards the end of hopefully a, a global pandemic, which has catapulted everybody into the digital world, possibly sooner than some are comfortable with. And it's also meant that some of the approaches that are being used aren't perhaps as um, rigorously examined as we'd like before implementation. So from your perspective, what are the why is digital pedagogy so central or why is it so important? And why is it crucial that we have a go at it just now? <laughs> So, so I think there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of bits in, in there. Maybe we'll just sort of un, unpick it and then, then you can come back to me if I haven't answered your question. Um, so, so, so first of all, I guess a, a big part of my career, a big part of the, the work that I've been doing has, been, has always been around how do you create um, in, engaging, meaningful, you know, socially interactive and joyful learning experiences for, for, for young people. And I use that word joy you know, carefully there, because I don't necessarily believe that all learning has to be fun, but there's something about a really, really purposeful learning activity, which gives children the, the feeling of joy and that feeling of achievement that, that comes with it as well. Um, and I've always been an advocate for, um, you know, the use of good pedagogies in, 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 do, in doing that. And I, I, I believe that the, the use of digital technology can be incredibly engaging for young people if it's used in the right way. At the same time, I strongly believe and advocate for advocate for if you take children outside and engage them in rich and meaningful outdoor learning experiences, that can be incredibly engage, engaging, engaging as well. And, and the third one, I was always very, very strong on both of those. But the third one that I've really introduced when I speak to practitioners about this is the one around kind of employability and these real life examples, you know, as well. And I think we've got better at that in, in Scotland. So for me, it's not necessarily around around digital pedagogies we'll maybe kind of unpick that a little, a little bit in a minute but it's thinking about using the right tools you know at the right time you know to create meaningful um, learning, learning opportunities for, for young people and I think when 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 there's always the challenge around well is digital technology actually going to make a, a difference to, 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 to child to child's outcomes um, of course it depends on what you read and uh, and, and you're correcting what you say is that you know, there, there, there will be one research study that says it, it's not been that impactful and there'll be other research studies that say it's completely transformed the lives of children and sort of making that work. And of course, the challenge with digital technologies research is A, the technology moves on so quickly, you know, it's very difficult to actually, you know, quant quant quantify that. Um, but, 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 but secondly, as well, is actually that we're, we're massively short of large scale technology studies, like in order for this to, in order for this to happen. So, um, but to, to sort of take that a stage, a stage further, where, where I think that practitioners can be reassured around the use of digital technologies is if we take existing evidence-based practice and we augment that with appropriate digital technolo technology, how can it not have impact? Um, and, and if we're, if we're a bit, 
prerogative and and perhaps insulting to a to a uh, to a global academic John Hattie you know for example who we've done bits of work with you know when, it, when he talks about effect size mm -hmm. um, if you look at the use of digital technology like 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 within that the effect side of that would appear to be quite low you know the effect size of feedback in particular formative feedback is pretty high but mm -hmm. at no point in any of Hattie's work does he talk about the use of digital technology giving feedback so, 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 so sometimes, so sometimes I think that 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 we that, we're, that we argue the wrong things around digital technology, and it's about that evidence-based practice to sort of take that to take to take that to take that further. Um, and if and if it just makes sort of one sort of final final point, and this might be interesting for readers as well, is I'm a big fan of the work from um, from Mike Sharples, who's a previous professor at the Open uh, University, and I wrote a review for this book from him a, a couple of years ago. Now, the book is called uh, Practical Pedagogies. And, and what I think is interesting about this is, um, is, is he, he talks about within this book, 40 new ways to teach and learn. So ev evolutions of different types of, ped of pedagogy. Um, and I just think there's some really interesting things in here. I'm just going to read a couple of the types of pedagogies he talks about. So he talks, for example, around um, adaptive teaching, spaced learning, stealth assessment, uh, crossover learning, uh, incidental learning, uh, learning with animation, uh, assessment is for learning some of these ones we've heard of learning through storytelling learning through wonder which i think is a fascinating concept the maker mm -hmm. culture and learning through drones now the, the interesting part of all of these is that is that everything within you know mike mike's book was based on an open university series you know which again is evidence-based and it's all and it's all an evolution of what might be called traditional pedagogy to start with which has been mm -hmm. augmented mostly by technology or been augmented by changes of routine within the school day or the way that or, or the spaces that children kind, kind of in, kind of kind of interact so i guess to, to 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 sort of try and attempt to answer the question i don't necessarily think it's a it's a digital technology question it's about how do, how do we how do we just rediscover these these new ways for teach for, for children to learn in an engaging way which is mm -hmm. which is which is relevant to the to, to their context but also the resources that are available to the practitioner yeah, I think the, the one of the key um, points that you said to me there that stood out was the right tools at the right time to extend a child's learning. And that that's kind yeah. of the skill, isn't it? So so in early years, we talk a lot about whether you're interacting with a child or whether you're interfering in the deep learning that's happening as they interact with the environment instead. And I suppose there's one of the, the tightropes that we have to walk at the moment is thinking about whether the digital tools that we have to support practice end up supporting and augmenting those experiences or whether they they interfere in a way that we we that are unintended um yeah and so that's across your experience kind of um internationally have you seen really creative kind of examples of, of digital technologies being used in that way to enhance and augment what what, what kind of things have stood out for you well i mean i mean i mean i mean, I mean yeah so maybe maybe sort of get on to sort of talk about them in, in, a, in a minute because I'm a, I'm a big believer in in, in children of, of, of all ages using technologies from very very basic technologies such as building blocks and building materials to you know to mm -hmm. computer-aided technologies for children to actually be able to kind of create things and create and create things that are meaningful for them because because ultimately that's the one thing that we do know about developing the creative process in young people is we have to get them to build new things like in order to you know in, in, in order to do it um but but Again, again, so the listeners might be interested in, in, a, in a report. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit dated now, and it comes from um, 2018, I think. It's a report that's called ScreenSense, which, it, which in itself is a really, really useful term. Um, 
and it talks about the the use of technology and again meaningful technology experiences and, and it's and it's actually centered on zero to three year olds um you know so it's an interesting you know it's an interesting piece of, of research uh, one of the, one of the interesting things about it um before i get into the detail of it i'm pulling this from memory so don't don't quote me on all the exact facts it, it is that, that they decided to call it screen sense rather than screen time yeah. um and, and the basic argument within the paper is not to advocate for the use of computers and the use of screen time but to suggest that actually there are some activities that children can be doing that involves a screen which are more meaningful and purposeful for learning than others you know around mm -hmm. that so actually sometimes the screen time isn't isn't as helpful um if you take that to a different domain for example from professor mitchell resnick you know from the lifelong kindergarten department at the mit media lab he yeah. takes that a stage further and, and rather than using screen sense, he calls it creativity time around that. So if children are being creative with the technology, then he would see that as being you know, entirely appropriate. And of course, the fundamental argument that he makes is too much of anything is a bad thing for any, anybody. Like too much of playing the violin is a bad thing. Too much reading a book you know, is, a, is a bad thing. It's got to be this kind of blended experience. But to kind of come back to some of the things that we, that, that, that we, know, that we know work, I, I, I guess, is that there's... Um, there's a lot of interesting research again coming from the, the screen sense report around what what works for young children and what doesn't work for young for young children um now we we, we know that that young children well all, all of us but young children in particular quite often learn by copying you know and, and, and mimicking you know adults and 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 each other now an, an interesting thing is um is that there's been plenty of research which suggests that children learn best from another physical human being rather than actually through the screen itself like in terms of making making that work because they can't they, they can't work or contemplate between that kind of flat world and the kind of 3d world like in order for that for that for that, for that to happen um mm -hmm. the, the other thing that, that that we know as well is in terms of adults and you know and and good and good behavior is that is that quite often children can pick up bad learning habits um, or they're not able to progress the, progress with their learning if if adults are modelling poor use of technology. Um, there was an interesting piece of research that was done by um, by Boston University. Again, it's it's a few years ago now, and they actually observed adults in a in a fast food restaurant in in, in the USA. So I'm not pretending it's wholly academically robust, but I think the argument behind it is is interesting. And they they observed um, 55 parents that were having a meal with their children. Out of the 55 parents, 40 out of the 55 you know, took a mobile phone call or were using their mobile phone during, you know, during the dialogue. And what the researchers observed is that there was a lack of social interaction during that time between the child and the parent, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. But there was also a behavior deficit that kind of went in with that as well. And the researchers, again, this is from memory, thought this was an interesting question. So they took that a little bit further where they were working with children. I think they were um, two, two years old and they were trying to teach children to learn new pieces of vocabulary. And it was really just around two verbs, like, like, yeah. like, 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 like around that. Um, but what they did is for 50 percent of the um, you know, 50 percent of the researchers is they gave them a telephone call as they were teaching the second word. Um, and what they found is this distraction bet between that, again, you know, led, led to a language deficit uh, uh, um, deficit ar around that as well. Um, and I guess the, the other bit, like in terms of technology, um, is around, you know, how technology can be a distraction, like if we're mm -hmm. trying to, to teach teach children something. And, and I think always think a great example of that is ebooks, you know, or um, or you know, or digital text might be a better word for it because I guess an ebook would just normally be you know text, but a, but a, but, a but a digital text. And again, the re the research is quite quite strong on, on this now. Is that if you've got a text with a huge amount of digital distractions in it, so if you're an adult reading that story to a child, 
And if you're pressing on the sun and the sun comes up, or if the sun goes down, or if the bear roars when you press on it and things like that, the children will remember what happened when you pressed it and want you to do that, you know, rather than actually to sort of try and take the benefit of the literacy activities, you know, coming, you know, coming, coming, yeah. coming from it as well. And I guess the kind of the, 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 the last sort of point around, around that as well is that there are ways to address some of the, some of, some of these things, like in, in particular that, that business of, um, of almost transfer deficit that I was talking about in the first example, where, where, mm-hmm. where children learn more from, from human beings than they, than they do from the screen. And, and what, again, researchers have found, and some organisations, for example, CBBs, you know, and Sesame Workshop in particular, are very, very good at this, is again, we, we know that, that, that children actually learn best through the screen, through characters that they can relate with and know, in, in, the, in the same way that, that, they would, that they would do with a, with, a, with a parent or an adult, because they've built up a relationship with them, sort of being, being, being virtual as well. So I think as we're starting to build these digital learning experiences for children and young people, particularly in the, in the, in the early years, it's worth, it's worth thinking about the, the, these things. So making sure mm-hmm. the technology is not distraction around yeah. that, making sure that we're building up some kind of familiarity with the characters and the storytelling, you know, which, are, which, are, which, are take, which are taking part, and also making sure that we are not being distracted by other technology in order for us to do our craft of learning, you know, of, of learning, of learning and teaching. Um, and you do, you do see that. I have to say, like I, I mean, I've been in, um, I've been in lots and lots of schools and lots of early year, early year, early year settings. And, you know, at, at times where children should be engaging with the outdoor environment, you know, for example, at break time or, or you know, or play time or engaging with adults, as you do see, you know, you know, sometimes people on their phones and, do, and, do, and doing things rather than actually seeing that as an extension of the learning experience. So I think there's lots to be lots to be taken there and, and built in. Yeah, I think one of the things that that I've been thinking around a lot is is the sort of why we'd use it. And you sort of you you, you talked about that there about kind of choosing the appropriate technology for the 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 experience that the child is having but how we can extend that for our youngest children the, the challenge is that our children are operating at the concrete and they need the physical resource there and they there's there's a level of kind of antecedent and consequence that has to be immediate and obvious and yep. using technology in a way to extend and develop that can be a challenge particularly if if it's not your comfort zone so it, yep. it, it would be, I imagine, quite easy to model poor digital hygiene, even, you know, because we do if, you know, if you go to the pub, you see people scroll through their phones while they're having a conversation. So you're, you're yep. half in the moment and you're half not. And we see yep. that with parents and children as well. Um, there, there, is some, there is some interesting work, actually. Um, again, you've, you've reminded me of something there. This is some work that came from Redbridge Council in London, and, th- and this must be ten years ago now. Which, which actually was, um, they did some did some early early work in in an early years, in an early year setting around digital artifacts and how these could be modelled, you know, with you know with you know with 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 with, with children. And, and I mean, I think this is sort of fairly common practice now. That in a in, you know, and I've been a bit I've been a bit sort of maybe tokenistic, but within a, within a toy box, you might expect to find a mobile phone and these sorts of things. And of course, yeah. then that allows to have the conversations about about the technology and the appropriate use of the technology, um, you, know, you know, as well. But 10 years ago, that was, that was almost non, non, non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the things that I was talking about with my colleagues actually was about how our children at these earlier stages are developing their sense of self and how there's, a, there's an, almost an ethical dimension to how we approach the use of digital technology. Because we have, the, there is all, of course the imperative that digital technologies are an an integral part of life moving forwards from now. 
and and as you said at the start you you brought the distinction between the three the three different crucial aspects for you which is the digital the outdoor and then the employability so the kind of skills that we talk about in terms of kind of the SDS 4.0 where they're talking about what what employers might be looking for in the future actually are are the kinds of things that the more traditional pedagogy in Scotland that's that's reflected through um, things like realizing ambition absolutely that's just bread and butter that's how it's developed but if I think that how we introduce digital technology where children are are can be potentially met with different images of themselves from very early days and and manipulated perhaps and how that builds into how we support them to develop the skills that it means to, as, a, as a human you know the communication the sociability that you're talking about but also that self-image is quite important yeah, I, I, like I, like I, I 100% agree, and and I think that that that, that is an area where, where where we where we really need almost a compulsory upskilling of the profession, like like within within Scotland to kind of, to kind of do that, and and to actually go back and revisit, you know, what what are the what are the non-negotiable basics here, which it's really really useful for all practitioners to know to sort of make to make that to make to make that work, um, and actually part of that argument, and I've argued this for years. It's just the ability to be able to talk to children and to recognise that the context is important to them. Mm-hmm. And, and again, to give you to give you an example of that. So when we think about when we, when we think about um, you know you know the, the, the self and 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 some of the skills that you're talking about there, for example, empathy. You know you know yeah. the, the ability to understand and share feelings with with, with another around that. Um, again, I've observed this. You know, in 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 well, I've told the story lots of times, but in in, a, in observing a lesson. A number of years ago now and um it was a typical kind of monday morning lesson and it was it was sort of lower primary and the teacher was kind of just going around the room as the as the kids were getting on with what they were doing they were just sort of asking questions around like how like how was your weekend what did you like what did you get up to and and there, there were these two kids i'll never forget it that were sat next to each other and, and one of the kids basically said oh, i went to the cinema for the first time and that was quite like a like a magical experience and I forget what the name of the film was, but there was a, quite an interesting dialogue between the teacher and the child about the film and the characters and all, and all these sorts of things. And then, and then the, ne- the next child, what did you do? So, well, I was at my dad's at the weekend because the parents were separated. And what did you do? So, well, we went out for a walk in the morning and in, and in, and in the afternoon I was playing like on the, on the export, in, on the export. So there was a couple of interesting things with that. So first of all, I was playing on the export with my dad, which actually from a, from a, from a social point of view and a technology point of view, we know that, that children learn best when they're working with adults around that. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's an interesting thing. But but there was no follow up dialogue from the teacher, you know. You know, yeah, yeah. If you if you think about the context of a computer game that's still got story and characters, you know, and, and the time it takes to play it, and you can compare that to the context of a film and that new experience around that, it's kind of exactly the same. But 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 for some reason, this this teacher, this, this very very good teacher, like 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 I have to say, and we talked about it afterwards, did felt felt they didn't understand that domain. Or, you know, yeah. and therefore they weren't they weren't able to ask exactly the same questions that they could have asked that they could that they could have asked before. So, so when I when I when I um when often when I sort of talk about this with with, with practitioners, particularly around sort of things like like empathy, where we're where we're trying to get children to talk, is we need them to get we need to get we need to get kids to be able to talk with the digital about the digital about their digital experiences and their online experiences and their media experiences, and we need to listen with intent and to ask the right questions. Like and actually we and actually. For whatever reason at the moment quite often we dismiss like far too early on and then of course mm-hmm. what happens if you think that through is that children stop asking us about that <laughs> and, and and then and that becomes them and then they see content they're not ready with or as you say then mm-hmm. then they become then they, be- they become fam- familiar with images that have been manipulated about them you know or stuff that's not age appropriate 
and they think, well, actually, I can't talk to an adult about this because they just don't understand about it because that's already been that's already been shut down. So, that, so I think there's something really, really like powerful in that in that very, very kind of sort of simple thing, like like around that because and ultimately pretty much every practitioner that I know can do that because it's just mm-hmm. good questioning it's just about opening ask, asking big like open-minded questions and when you say it like that it sounds incredibly simple but it's not it's not always the norm no but I think there's there's a level of almost unconscious bias that we perhaps need to challenge ourselves on in terms of mm-hmm. the in, inherent value of some of the aspects of digital technologies that are in use a- akin to I suppose the analogy for me is is when I was in the classroom it was it was always about encouraging parents to understand just how wide literacy skills are it's not just reading a book if they're reading a magazine Mm -hmm. or instructions for lego or these are all application of skills and it's reading and it's brilliant graphic novels are just as valuable so so i suppose there's a bit of um that kind of analogy and that there are these there are perhaps really rich experiences that we're not necessarily capitalizing on because we don't understand that they where they sit i suppose and that is a comfort thing as well isn't it Gosh. Okay, so you talked a bit about their um, a, a sort of non-negotiable core skill set. Where do you start on something like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I, I, I mean, I, I think. I think. I think, like anything, it, it shouldn't be developed in in, in isolation. So, if we're really, if we're really like serious about digital and thinking about that, then then we would, then you would then you would try and integrate that into some kind of progression framework. You, you know so so the types of experiences again that you would expect young people to have and then the you know the types of the, the types of skills that that teachers would need in order to be able to facilitate these these these, these experiences um and <clears throat> this kind of very basic model i guess comes from the the world of further education like from a model a model via via gist and actually they they call it digital pedagogy, but it, but it, but in my view, it's not really digital pedagogy when, when, we, when we think about that. And they, they call it they call it the smoke model, um, which which again is quite, quite it's quite it's quite confusing because there's no O in it, but it's S S K S M K E, and it, and they basically sort of say right. So what so what 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 are the skills that people need? Okay. How are we like how are we how are we motivating them to do it? You know what what knowledge do they what knowledge do they need and then what's the environment the kind of learning environment to sort of make make that work and actually it's not a bad little model like to sort of like to, to sort of pull that together because there's the kind of skills as in the technical skills you know around that as well but then i i always think that we should extend that a little bit further in terms of the pedagogical skills and and i think that the biggest pedagogical barrier that sometimes we that we, that we get into is more of a mindset thing like rather than a technical thing and that's and that's the inability sometimes, you know, for for a practitioner just to kind of let the kids get on with it and to observe. Now, I think in the early year setting, practitioners are actually very, very good at that, you know, because of things that are set up. But as children tend to get older and as school, for want of a better word, sometimes gets a bit more formalized. We forget that, you know, you know, you know, some, some of the time. The, mo- the motivation thing is, is an interesting thing, because, of course, that's about making sure that we've chosen the right technology, which which motivates the child. But it's also got a second lens on that as well, because it's got to be motivating to what we're trying to do as, as, a, as a job, you know, which is, to, which is to educate young people and, and to encourage them to be sort of lifelong learners. So we've got to see the benefit in, the, in, in that as well. Then we've, got the, then we've got the knowledge, then we've got the knowledge part of it. And for me, for me, the knowledge part of it is about assessing and, 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 and finding out about the right tools and the techniques to do the job rather than the actual kind of the, the skill the skill of doing it. And I always come back to this phrase of quite often people don't know what they don't know. You know and, that, and that's why one of the great great things that i think we've seen during covid are these real 
grassroots organizations of, of of, of like conversations that we're having here where we're sharing knowledge and people will take some things from from this or you know book or book groups or people meeting up for zoom for zoom calls in different parts of the country when they f physically wouldn't be able to get there and i think over the last year we've seen more than ever people talking about practice which is really really healthy to sort of make make that work and we don't want to we don't want to lose that we need to keep those conversations going even if we're back in kind of physical in institutes uh, and, and the last part of that model is e which is around the, which is around the environment and that is of course well if you if you if we're serious about embracing certainly certain types of digital you know in classrooms and early and early childhood centers then you're going to need stuff and an environment to kind of make that happen you know because you can't you know you can't do digital technology without digital technology you know for example yeah. or, or you know you can't run an internet enabled enabled lesson that's highly personalized if the bandwidth isn't there to kind of to kind of make 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 that work or if you you know want to introduce children to something like system-based robotics, that's a really, really tricky thing to do when you've got one robot per 30 kids. So, yeah. so, so we need to think a little bit wider about how these, these, things, these things go. That's in, yeah, that's uh, one of the things we're trying to do in Edinburgh is we are looking at what digital technologies looks like in the early years and, and exactly what you said, what, what um, devices or, or, or technologies themselves are useful. There's the obvious kind of ubiquitous tablet slash iPad that's there. That, and, and we're kind of talking about how best to use that, make, thinking about how to, to make those choices around about, is it sociable, is the child in charge? What's the role of the adult when you're using yep. it? Um, other than that kind of one, the tablet method of digital technologies, what other things have you seen that are in the early years that, that you think are worth exploring? Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that we should discount non-digital technologies like like around that as well. Like I'm like I'm a I'm a huge like I'm a I'm a I'm a huge fan of um, you know what you what you might call like making and tinkering. You know, and, yeah. and, I, and I and I take a bit of an exception between the two the two words because I think that that often when we talk about making, it, it conjures up images of children all making the same thing. Like like around that. Whereas I see kind of tinkering as a little bit more of a kind of iterative, an, an iterative process, mm -hmm. you know, so for example, using, you know, using electric, electric motors to cause a, to cause a vibration, um, attaching that to a paper cup and using an elastic band to put some coloring pencils on that. So the whole thing vibrates around that to sort of create this kind of unique pattern around that. Or um, I, I think there's a, a huge amount we could learn from the early years from like Reggio Emilia, for example, you know, who are, who are highly technology focused when it comes to thing like, things like light, you know, yeah. and sound, you know, and plants and biotechnology and kind of making that work to sort of to make it make it all go. So there's lots of there's lots of things I think that we can do sort of quite cheaply to sort of make make mm -hmm. make that work. I also can't. Um, and, and again, just if people are interested in that, I've got the there's a, a, a good book. It's called the, the Art of Tinkering. I don't know if anybody if, you, if you've seen it, it comes from. Um, an organization a couple of friends of mine wrote it but they they, they work in a museum in um in san francisco and they've got the tinkering studio there and what's what's nice about this is it's got some lovely practical examples for, for schools and actually if you go on the website you can you can download all of the, the the lessons and stuff in it as well but it but it talks about tinkering tinkering being thinking with your hands and that yeah. for me sort of conjured up a really nice connotation of you know the use of manipulatives and, and problem solving and and, 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 all, and all of those things um and, and and then sort of just going back to that is, is the other things that I don't think that we can that we can discount is that I think there are some very very good technologies that are kind of tried and tested that just seem to work and and a good example of that 
might be a bit like a bebop, like if we're introducing like children to, yeah. to, to coding, you know, um, things like talking tins, you know, or speakeasy microphones, these sorts of things mm -hmm. where, where we're playing with audio and, and doing these different different bits and pieces. And and although we seem to have have gone away from from this type of approach because everything now is within the tablet, there is something I think quite special about an individual voice recorder and an individual yeah. video camera to sort of try to try to try and make that work the work and a camera that just takes still images and a camera that takes moving Im Im images as well um and, and of course what what's useful for that is it's really really good for for documentation again to sort of use regional media media approach in, in there as mm -hmm. well but it, but it's also good uh, over time to help build up a set of what you might call digital creativity skills you know in in you know in, in young people and of course What's nice about that is that you end up with a you end up with, I guess, an upskilling of kids being able to make digital artifacts, whether it's a podcast like this one, or a or a blog post, or a piece of scratch coding, you know, or a, you know, or an image, or, or you know, or a, a, a moving image, or, or a still image, and then if you take that a bit state at a stage further, again, if we're thinking about progression, like through the early years into the primary, into the secondary school, like what's our problem in the secondary school that people will say well it's around assessment. But actually, it's often around approaches to assessment. No, and and that's because actually, quite often the, the the same output from an assessment is either a written piece of work or perhaps a typed bit of work these days. You know, but mm -hmm. if young people have got the digital creativity skills to produce a whole range of di different digital artifacts, you're 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 able to concentrate on the assessment activity in terms of the knowledge and skills, and you're not and you're and you're not making it about the, the digital artifact because kids have already been skilled up in these things going through. So I, I think all of those things are. Uh, are incredibly sort of linked, uh, link, link, link together, and and again, if I, and again, if I was sort of to to promote uh, two 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 things, two things here, and one of them is a commercial thing, so I'll, I'll put, put sort of warning warning in there. Um, but but again, from from a very very young age, you know, young people being able to to create their own stories, games, and animations, I think, is a useful thing. So things like Scratch and Scratch Junior, which yeah. is which which comes very much from the the, the constructionist like 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 par paradigm of, of education so we've got these um low floor activities so it's easy for kids to get on board whether they're three you know or whether they're 13 but they're kind of open-ended in nature as well and highly and highly and highly project-based to let, to let them do that as well uh, and you know if you look at scratch junior and scratch that's a dish that's a that's a digital version of you know of, of a lego a lego brick or a lego set that can go mm -hmm. go, 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 go with that as well so without without plugging a commercial product as i do think there are some some very very interesting things around system-based robotics of which lego is one you know which can help again kids sort of follow follow their passions to do this and introduces things like coding and is able to do it in a kind of meaningful way through through interest that kids are interested in the underpinning all of what you're talking about it, it keeps coming back for me to, to the modeling that that needs to happen in our settings and it needs to come back to practitioners being confident in experimenting and sharing the learning for themselves with the with the children that they're with, you know, when it goes wrong, that's okay. Yeah. We just try something different. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and I and I was speaking about this 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 recently because again, you know, there's a lot of talk around creativity, you know, and developing creative skills in young people. Mm -hmm. and, and you you hinted at that in terms of the Skills Development Scotland Meta Skills Agenda under the Innovation Skills, yeah. which I think is incredibly incredibly important. Um, but actually. <clears throat> What, when we when we think about creativity, I think a lot of people get confused between creativity and imagination to make to make to make that to make that work. And and for me, 
if you're going to be creative about something, it also needs to be useful. <laughs> like, 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 like if, if, you, if you're taking that into an actual kind of product as you, as you, as you go through it. And I, and I completely appreciate that you can create something which is meaningful for you and, that, and, that, and, that's, and that's fine. But actually, if we're going to be creative globally, like as in within these employability skills that we, that, that we talk about, it's also about sort of creating something useful. So what's really interesting about, about, about that is, of course, you, you need um, a sense of imagination you know, but also a sense of wisdom in terms of what, what works. And if, we, and if we were just to sort of pigeonhole that a little bit, it doesn't quite work like this, is that children's, children have got imagination and abundance, <laughs> but not always, not always the wisdom. And to reverse that, you know, adults, you know, have maybe not always got as much imag imagination. I'm not saying that adults are not imaginative for a minute, but they've got a lot of wisdom, but, but, but don't always, you know, think about, you know, think things in a different way. So actually, if you're really wanting children to be creative you know what, what we know now and the research would say is that if you can get adults and children learning together on new things and by that for both of them then that's when the creative process really starts to really, really starts to thrive so kind of an interesting interesting provocation on that is to challenge people and well when have you actually learned with a child on a new thing mm -hmm. and 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 what's what's interesting about that of course is that if you do a lot of observation if you do a lot of observation is that is that quite often adults pretend it's new but it's not <laughs> and it's new it's new it's new to, it's new to the child uh -huh. um because because they're trying to take the child into their world as things progress but if we go back to our computer games example before it's new to the child it's new to the adult so suddenly there's a, there's a really interesting like a different type of dynamic that comes comes there which adults feel a bit uncomfortable with but that's not necessarily yeah. bad for learning because actually learning is a really really uncomfortable thing if you do it if you do it well <laughs> yeah well it, it can be can't it and I think there is there is there is that kind of positional power sometimes that we need to unpick a bit for for our practitioners because you're not you know we're not doing the tabula rasa let's fill you up yep. it's, it, it, it is to be the most successful that like, co-constructed co-created exploration uh, but, but that takes confidence and and almost resilience isn't it it's those kind of skills that are that we're trying to support and, and encourage in our young people but yeah. Sometimes we can be a bit nervous about ourselves. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we've covered uh, most of the, the things that I wanted to hit. So is there anything else that you've, do you feel we haven't got the chance to unpick? Well, well I just, I guess I just sort of wanted to, to mention a, 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 couple, a couple of things. This could maybe sort of go in the, in the, in the, in the show notes for people who haven't done it is, this is, a, this is a podcast. We're, we're actually doing this on video for the people doing it. And I keep like holding up books in front of the screen, which are, <laughs> It's become a habit of mine during lockdown. I've got a big bookshelf and I just like before a podcast, pull, pull a few of my favorite titles off so that I can refer to them. But there is, um, I, I think, you know, quite a good book by, by Rutledge here. And I'll, and I'll share these links with you, which is around young children playing and learning in the digital age. And again, it's particularly aimed at, 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 young, at, young, at young people. It's slightly dated now because of what's happened in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, but I still think it's, it's a really interesting and kind of relative text, like for a, for a staff professional development library. But I thought... I'd, I'll finish with a quote from, from, from this book here. Um, and I'll tell you what the book is in a minute. So the, um, <clears throat> so the, quote, the quote is this, and it's, and it's an American author. So excuse the Americanisms um, in this. Um, in many schools today, the phrase computer-aided instruction means making the computer teach the child. One might say that the computer is being used to program the child. In my vision, the child programs the computer, and in doing so, both acquires a sense of mastery over a piece of the most of the most modern and powerful technology and establishes an intimate uh, contact with some of the deepest ideas from science, 
from mathematics and from art and from intellectual model building. Uh, and that was written by Seymour Papert in 1980. So there's a lot of kind of wisdom that's kind of out, out there. That comes from the book Mindstorms, which has actually just been released because it's, um, you know, 40 years from, 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 the original, from, the original, from the original book. But there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom that we've kind of got out there really from the last 40 years, you know, and, you know, and in particular, I think from the last, like from the last decade around that. Um, but a lot of this, I think, comes back to like, how do we take what we know works, which is good learning and teaching, and how do we augment that with technology? Um, like in the new in the new way so which as you said Bex right at the start so that we're not being enslaved by the technology you know so yeah. that we're using that to augment the pedagogy and um, to sort of drive forward learning outcomes super well thank you very much that's been incredibly useful and really interesting um yeah great well thanks for thanks for having me along <laughs> no problem super So I'm sure you'll agree that was absolutely fascinating. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation with Ollie and it really got me thinking. Um, there are a few things that I'm going to consider um, as I walk away from this conversation. The first for me was one of the aspects where he was talking about challenging his secondary colleagues around about the outcomes, you know, they need to know where their learners are coming from in order to meet their needs. But actually, we have to do that too. We need to be thinking about how best to support our children as they move through their careers and as they become lifelong learners. For more information around what that looks like, I'd really recommend looking at the Skills Development Scotland um, Meta Skill Pack. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it's really lovely because although it is thinking about the longer term um, employability of our children and the kinds of skills that employers are looking for, it's really easy to see how it links to our practice and our pedagogy in early years. So that's definitely one to explore. I really liked how Ollie was talking about the different types of technologies. So although there is a big push at the moment for digital, actually we can't forget that there are huge um, there's a huge variety of choices out there for us as practitioners to be able to offer experiences to our children. So, for example, things like the tinkering and making that he was talking about. Lots of us have woodwork tables. That's a really crucial aspect of development and of experiences that we can leave offer our children. Things like those individual microphones and cameras and um, ways of capturing experiences that way, those I'm sure will be sitting somewhere in your um, cupboards, in your settings. So dig them out, think about how they can fit in with the other types of technologies that we have on offer, like our smart boards, like our iPads, how can they talk to each other and how can we make the most of it? For me, the big thing that I have to consider, I think, is how my skills, how I can model and best promote use of technology, because we know that it's that modelling that's really important. And I liked how he was talking about learning together as an adult with our children. So actually, if we're thinking about how these things talk to each other, that trial and error, that learning together is really great. Um, the creativity versus imagination um, distinction really got me thinking. And the other thing for me that I am going to actually take into my personal life when I'm thinking about my own interactions with my son is that assumptions that we make around about things like the gaming. 
So I certainly have certain attitudes towards um, platform games and time on PlayStation that maybe I need to revisit to make sure that I'm actually making the right assumptions. And, and what do we, what are our personal um, biases that we bring into our practice that we maybe need to explore with each other and unpick to make sure that we are using what we have for the best outcomes for our children. So thanks very much for listening. Do check out the show notes. All of the information you need um, to look for the further references will be there. You can also find those in the digital sway that the digital team um, of early years teachers produced in May of this year. And um, we'll also pop some links up in Edinburgh's the early years team. Um, and if you don't have access to that and you are a member of um, the early years workforce in Edinburgh, please email me and I'll be able to sort that out for you. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Cheery bye.